cloud is powering tomorrow's transformative missions. Federal agencies are partnering with SAIC to help them meet these critical moments, where bold moves require confident blueprints, where you can accelerate transformation through consistency, where you can innovate forward and never look back. SAIC quickly and securely migrates large-scale workloads to the cloud with the confidence you need to assure your mission. Learn more at SAIC.com slash cloud. We're going to be learning Chidusha Rabbeinu Chaim HaLevi, the third piece in Hilchos Isur Bia. This is Perak Yud Gimel, Halacha Yud Aleph. And our learning should be in the merit of a Rafua Shalema for Dina Batsheva Basmalka. Uh, Rab Chaim is discussing the issue over here of when a non-Jew owns a slave, what type of ownership do they have? In Halacha, we have a distinction between a Kenyan Haguf, sometimes the owner owns the slave fully, and sometimes he only owns the slave for Masay Yodav, for any earnings that the slave makes, but he doesn't actually own the slave himself. So Rab Chaim is analyzing the issue of what a non-Jewish owner owns when they own a non-Jewish slave. Is it a Kenyan or is it Masay Yadav? The Rambam says, If a Jew buys an Evid Kenani, a non Jewish slave, from a non Jewish owner, and in the meantime, the slave is a clever guy. He goes to the mikvah and converts with the intention of becoming a freed Jew. Then Kana Atmo, the slave, takes ownership of himself, and the Jewish owner no longer has rights to this slave. And the same halacha the Rambam records in Hilch Zavadim and Perak Ches Halacha Yotes. Now this comes from the Gemara in Yevamos and Daf Mem Hayam The Gemara quotes the same halacha in the name of Rav. And the Gemara explains, my taima, why should the slave go free? Because Nochri Gufe Lokonile, the non-Jewish owner doesn't own a Kenyan Haguf. He doesn't actually own this non-Jewish slave. My Dekonile, who Demaknile the Yisrael, whatever he owns, which is the Masay Yod of the earnings, that's what he sells to the new Jewish owner. Since the slave converted, he removed any debt that he would have owed the Jew. So the Jewish owner no longer has any claims or any rights to the earnings of this slave because he changed his status. By becoming a Jew, he removes any debt that he would have owed to the Jewish owner. And the Gemara compares this to the famous halacha of Rava. Rava said, Hektesh chametz v'shichror, if a borrower designates an object for the lender to collect from, and then he either makes it hektish to the Beis HaMikdash, or it's chametz and Pesach passes over it, so it's now prohibited, or it's a slave and he frees him. So in all those cases, mafkin midei shibud, they take this object out of any debt collection. It's no longer designated for the debt. So you see that when something changes status, it can no longer be collected for a debt. So in the same way, says the since this slave owed the Jewish owner his masayot of his earnings, once he changed status and converted to become a Jew, so he does not owe him anything anymore and he goes free. So that's the explanation of the halacha, why if the slave converts when a Jew buys him from a non-Jew, he goes free. Now, the Gemara then uh, adds an important caveat, an important limitation to this. Amar of Avia loshona leblokech minan nachri. This whole halacha only applies when a Jew buys the Eved Kenani from a Nachri. But if the Nachri sells himself to the Jew, so the transaction is just between the Jew and the Eved, he buys him directly from himself, 
then he cannot convert and free himself because at that point the Jew does have a Kenyan Haguf in this slave. He does owe him and therefore conversion is not going to set him free. And the Gemara learns this out from a Pasuk. It says, Mehem Tiknu, that uh, we derive from there that a, a Jew can have a Kenyan Haguf in a Evid Kenani, but a non-Jew cannot have a Kenyan Haguf in the Evid Kenani. So that's why if the non-Jew sells to the Jew, He's selling whatever he owns, which is just for the earnings. But if the Jew buys the slave directly, then he has a Kenyan Haguf in this slave. Now, the problem Rav Chaim raises is that the Rambam in Hilch Savon in Perak Tes Halacha Hey, when he codifies this rule, so he writes, That a non-Jew who buys a non-Jew, he does not own the guf, he only owns him for Maseyadayim. So, so far so good, that squares with what the Gemara said. But then the Rambam writes, Afal If the Nachri sells the Evid Kenani to a Jew, then the Jew has a Kenyan Haguf. So this seems to imply that in the case where a Jew buys an Evid Kenani from a Nachri, he gets a Kenyan Haguf in this Evid Kenani. And that goes against our Gemara, but it also undercuts the whole basis for the Rambam's Psak that we began with. If when the Jew buys the Evid Kenani from the Nachri, he owns Kenyan Haguf, then accordingly the Evid Kenani's conversion should not free him. So why does the Rambam Paskin, in the case we began with in Hilsi Surabiya here, that if the Evid Kenani converts in such a case, he does go free? That goes against the very explanation that the Gemara gave. So this is the issue that Rab Chaim's going to deal with in this piece. Now, Rab Chaim doesn't mention it at this point, but later he's going to reference the Kesef Mishnah in Hilsi Avon and Perak Tess. And the Kesef Mishnah is bothered by the same basic question as Rab Chaim, and he says that there's two possibilities as to how to read this Rambam. The first possibility, he says, is that when the Rambam said that the Jew has a Kenyan Haguf in the Ebed Kenani, he meant not where a non-Jewish owner sold him, but in the case where the Ebed sold himself. So even though the first part of the sentence is talking about when a Nachri owns a Nachri, but then the Rambam switched to the case where the Evid Kenani sold himself, and that's where the Jew has the Kenyan Haguf. So that, of course, would square with the Gemara. The Gemara itself made that distinction. But then the Kesef Mishnah says that that doesn't sound like the literal reading of the Rambam, because it's a little forced. The Rambam sounds like he's talking about, in all cases, where a Nachri sold a Nachri. So the Kesef Mishnah says the second approach, which is that the second half so the Rambam is talking about after the Jew takes full ownership of the Evid Kenani, uh, meaning he goes to the mikveh, he becomes a full Evid Kenani. So at that point, the Jew has a Kenyan Haguf. Uh, and when the Gemara said that a Jew who buys an Evid Kenani from a Nachri doesn't have a Kenyan Haguf, it meant before he takes full ownership of the Evid Kenani. So those are the Kesef Mishnah's two approaches. Uh, both of them are more technical than what Rab Chaim is going to say, but they square the Rambam with the Gemara. Now, Rab Chaim seems not to like the Kesef Mishnah's approach, and he'll talk about this more later, but uh, he reads the Rambam literally that when a Nochri sells an Evid Kenani to a Jew, immediately the Jew has a Kenyan Haguf. He owns the Evid Kenani fully, uh, even the Kenyan Haguf. And that seems to go against the Gemara, and it seems to contradict the Psak of the Rambam here that conversion would free the Evid Kenani in such a case. 
So in order to answer this, Rab Chaim says that there's a more fundamental question on the Gemara. And that is if we think through the case of the Gemara, we'll see that there's a problem. The Gemara explicitly said that if the Jew buys the Ebed Kanani from himself, then he has a Kenyan Haguf and conversion won't free this Ebed Kanani. Now, Rab Chaim points out that this is problematic because at this point, the Ebed Kanani has not converted. He's not gone to the mikvah at all. And so he's not a full Evid Kanani. When we talk about an Evid Kanani, we're talking about a non-Jew who was purchased as a slave, then went to the mikvah and basically converted to be a Jew. There are some mitzvahs they don't have to do, but basically they're considered a Jewish slave at this point. Again, it's important to point out this is different than an Evid Ivri, which is a fully Jewish slave who was a Jew before they were bought. And uh, they have different halachas than an Evid Kanani, but an Evid Kanani is a non-Jewish slave who at this point is Jewish because they've converted. Now, this slave that the Gemara is talking about is an Evid Kanani who has not converted. They're a full Nahri. So at this point, all the owner has in terms of ownership is a Kenyan mumness. He owns certain financial monetary obligations that the slave owes him, but he does not have that full Kenyan haguf in the slave. So if so, Rab Chaim says, why should his ownership prevent the slave's conversion? It seems to be unrelated. This a Jewish owner just has a Kenyan mammon, he has certain financial obligations, but this person is not a full evid of the Jewish owner that they shouldn't be able to go ahead and convert and therefore become free. And Rab Chaim says, even though if they convert and become free, it's obviously going to uproot the Jews' financial ownership in them, so it is going to affect the finances and the monetary obligations that the Jew owns in this slave. But, says Rab Chaim, that's an indirect effect. It's uh, something that's going to be caused by the conversion. But there's no reason why the conversion itself shouldn't be able to go through. So Rab Chaim's question on the Gemara is, in the case where the non-Jew sold himself as a slave to the Jew, but he hasn't gone to the mikvah, so he's not an Evid Kenani, all the Jew owns are certain financial obligations that the slave owes to him. But why should that preclude him from being able to convert and then that would set him free? So Rab Chaim explains that when the Gemara says in that case that he can't convert, it doesn't mean that the conversion is worthless, that he remains a full non-Jew, but rather what the Gemara means is that through that conversion, he now becomes an Evid Kenani. In other words, the conversion is the same conversion as what would have transformed him into an Evid Kenani, not into a free Jew. Even though, and this is the key point of the Gemara, even though he converted with the intention of becoming a Ben Chorin. So in the case of the Rambam that we began with, when a Nahri sells a non-Jewish slave to a Jew, and in the meantime, before the Jew takes ownership of him fully, the non-Jewish slave goes to the mikvah with the intention of being a ben chorin, of being a free Jew. So in that case, it works fully, and he's now transformed into a free Jew. What the Gemara is saying is that in the case where the non-Jew sold himself as a slave, if he goes to the mikvah, even though his intention is to become a free Jew, but it doesn't work because the Jewish owner has a Kenyan haguf, and even though he doesn't fully own him because it's not an Evid Kenani yet, all he has is mominous, he has financial rights in this slave, but that 
is sufficiently strong to stop this slave from being able to become a ben Chorin, to free himself through the conversion. But, as Rab Chaim said, there's no reason why it should totally prevent the conversion. So there is a conversion here. It's just a conversion which turns him into an Evid Kenani. So this makes sense of the whole equation of the Gemara. What's going on here is a middle type of conversion. It's not nothing, because as Rab Chaim said, this is not an Evid Kenani yet, so there's no reason to preclude the conversion fully. But on the other hand, it cannot be a free Jews type of conversion, because the owner does have a Kenyan Haguf, even though it's just a Mamanos type of Kenyan Haguf. So the answer is that the Gemara has a middle option, which is that we accept the conversion partially. Rabbi Chaim says it's mischalekes, we split it in half. We take the aspects of the conversion which were valid and legitimate and we turn him into a Jew, but we don't accept the Ben-Chorin part of it, and so he becomes an Evid Kenani. So now he is a Jewish slave, but not a freed Jew. So that makes sense of that Gemara. And Rabbi Chaim adds in that there's a machlokas in the Gemara and Yivamos later on, on Memzayin and Memches, with regard to the conversion of a slave, Reb Shimon ben Elazar says that when it comes to a shivcha, a female slave, that they can forcibly convert her. We don't need her willingness. We don't need her to accept the mitzvos like we do with a regular convert. And the same thing is when someone buys a slave from a non-Jew, also he can force him to convert, to go to the mikvah, and that's what turns him into an Evid Kenani. So according to Rabbi Shum ben Elazar, says Rabbi Chaim, this idea certainly makes sense, that we can accept half of the conversion, uh, the part which makes him a Jew, even though his intention was to become free, and we don't accept that part of the conversion. But if we can force him to convert, then we can also accept half of the conversion. But, says Rab Chaim, the Rabbanan argue on Rab Shimon ben Elazar. And they hold that every conversion, even a slave's conversion, has to be done willingly and they need to accept the mitzvos. So if so, this idea might not work because this slave only converted with the intention of being free. So how can we take the conversion and turn him into an Evid Kenani? So Rab Chaim says that it will work even according to the Rabbanan because all they mean is that the slave needs to willingly convert. The conversion aspect of it needs to be willing. And that's what happened over here. This slave wanted to become a Jew. So in terms of the conversion aspect, it was willing. And in terms of the idea, the intention to become free, so that runs up against the problem because in this case, the Jewish owner has a Kenyan Haguf, which prevents him from becoming free. So uh, therefore, he's transformed into an Eved Kenani and not a free Jew. So with this idea that we can accept half of it, we can turn him into an Eved Kenani and not a free Jew, even though his intention was to be freed, uh, works even according to the Rabbanan. So this is Rab Chaim's approach to explaining the Gemara, why in a case when a non-Jew sells himself, the conversion doesn't work. And what that means is not that it doesn't work at all, but it means that it doesn't work to free him. But it does turn him into an Eved Kenani because the owner's, Kenyan Mominus, he owns the goof, but just the financial part of it, so it doesn't prevent conversion, but it does prevent the slave from going free through this conversion. And Rab Chaim says that he thinks he could even prove this from the Rambam. The Rambam, as we saw in Perak Tesef El Savodim, says that if the non-Jew sold the slave to the Jew, then the Jewish owner has a Kenyan Haguf. 
And uh, Rab Chaim quotes the Kesef Mishnah, like we mentioned, asks that this seems to go against the Gemara, which said explicitly that when a Nachri sells another Nachri to Yisrael, the Jew only gets the Maseyadayim. He does not have a Kenyan Haguf. And the Rambam seems to say the opposite, that he does have a Kenyan Haguf. So we mentioned before the Kesef Mishnah rereads the Rambam to square with the Gemara, but Rab Chaim takes the Rambam more literally. So how does he explain the Rambam in the context of the Gemara? So he says that the Rambam had a question based on the approach that Rab Chaim just said to explain the Rambam. There's a problem with the Gemara, which is that the, the way Rab Chaim just explained it, the only reason why a non-Jew who sells himself and then converts doesn't go free is because the Jewish owner already has a Kenyan Haguf. So it follows from that that in the case where a Nahri sold a Nahri, so there's a first non-Jewish owner who is selling the non-Jewish slave, and according to the Gemara, in such a case, the Jewish owner does not get a Kenyan Haguf, he only has the Masayadayim. So in that case, conversion should certainly work because there's nothing to preclude the non-Jewish slave from converting L'Shem ben Choren and becoming a freed Jew. So if so, why does the Gemara add another reason why he can convert and be freed because of Rava? That change in status removes any Shibud. Says Rav Chaim, that seems superfluous. Of course he can convert and become freed because the Jewish owner doesn't have a Kenyan Haguf. He only has a Kenyan Masayadaim. He only has the earnings. So if the non-Jewish slave converts in the meantime, then of course he should become freed. There is no problem that the Kenyan Aguf precludes the becoming free through the conversion. So why does the Gemara have to mention anything about Rava saying that any time you change status, it removes the Shibud, whatever debts or liens were going to be collected from this object or slave? So Rab Chaim says that the Rambam's answer to this question was that the Gemara must hold that when a Nachri sells a Nachri to a Jew, the Jew does get a Kenyan Haguf in this slave. Not like we've been saying up until now, that in such a case the Jew only has the Masayadayim, not a Kenyan Haguf. Uh, that's how the Kesef Mishnah reads the Gemara. But Rab Chaim's now saying that the Rambam reads in the Gemara that the Jew does get a Kenyan Haguf. And that's why the Gemara has to apply the rule of Rava. Because because without Rava, we would say that since this new Jewish owner has a Kenyan Haguf, even though the non-Jewish slave has not become a full Evid yet, so he is able to convert, but as Rab Chaim's been explaining throughout, the conversion would turn this slave into an Evid Kenani, not a freed Jew. So why should he become a freed Jew instead? Why doesn't the Kenyan Haguf preclude freedom in this case? So the Gemara quotes Rava, that's what Rava said, that when someone changes status, then it also removes the shibud that they have on them. So that's why we have to apply Rava into this case to explain why he becomes not just a Jewish slave, but a freed Jew. Now, we'll have to talk about why that doesn't apply also when the non-Jew sells himself, Rava's halacha, but we'll get to that later. So that's Rab Chaim's approach, and that defends Rab Chaim's reading here, that when a Nachri sells a Nachri to a Jew, he has a 
Kinyan Haguf, which is the literal reading of the Rambam in Perak Tesafel Chzavadim. And now Rab Chaim continues and he says that we could even formulate this more sharply. And that is that the Rambam holds that the whole concept of Kinyan Haguf is actually synonymous with the concept of an Eved Kenani. In other words, when we say that a Jew is able to have a Kinyan Haguf in a Nohri, it means not that he has some sort of added ownership above what a Nohri is able to own in a Nohri, but it is the same thing as saying that a Jew has an Evid Kenani. That concept of an Evid Kenani, that through the Tefillah and the conversion, this non-Jewish slave is transformed into a Jewish slave, so that is the same thing as saying that he has a Kenyan Haguf. And Rab Chaim says the proof for this is that the Gemara's whole Pusuk that it learns out from that a non-Jew doesn't have a Kenyan Haguf and another non-Jew is actually really talking about the Halacha of Avdus. There is no concept of being an Eved when a Nahri owns an Eved Kenani. So the Gemara never has a separate drusha to learn out that not only can a Nahri not have an Eved Kenani, but he also has no Kenyan Haguf. It's all one thing. Once we see that a Nahri can't have an Eved Kenani, all he can do is own another Nahri slave, but that person doesn't have the halachas of an Eved Kenani. So automatically the Gemara understands that also a non-Jew doesn't have a Kenyan Haguf in another non-Jew. So that shows us that these two concepts are synonymous. Then Rab Chaim explains it, that it makes perfect sense, because of course a human being is different than an object. You can't own a Kenyan Haguf in a human being. The most you could have is a Masayadaim. You have the rights to his earnings. So that's why the baseline is that nobody can own the goof of another person. There is no Kenyan Haguf. And it makes sense that a Nahri can't own a Kenyan Haguf in another Nahri. Why is there this one exception that a Jewish owner does have a Kenyan Haguf in an Eved Kenani? So Rab Chaim explains that that's the same thing as saying that this person is an Eved Kenani. Once the Torah tells us that there are halachas, that this person becomes a Jewish slave and the owner has ownership of them in a way that's different than any other ownership of a slave, so then that means that it's a Kenyan Haguf. So according to Rab Chaim's approach now, when we talk about the distinction between a Nahri owning a Nahri, that it's only for Masa Yadav for his earnings, but a Jew who owns a Nahri, it's uh, for Kenyan Haguf. That's the same thing as saying that a Nahri can't own an Eved Kenani because he doesn't go through the conversion process. But a Jewish owner does own an Eved Kenani because he's able to convert this slave into a Jewish slave. So if that's the case, Rab Chaim says that when we say that this person has a Kenyan Haguf, it means because they're about to convert them to be an Eved Kenani. So this all now explains perfectly why the Rambam holds that when a Nahri sells a Nahri to a Yisrael, the Jew gets a Kenyan Haguf, even though the original owner, who's a Nahri, only had Kenyan Masayadayim. So how's he able to sell more than what he owned? How could he sell a Kenyan Haguf? when all he owned was a Kenyan Masayadayim. But according to uh, Rab Chaim's formulation, it now makes perfect sense because these are not just random categories of how much he owns that a Jew happens to own more than a non-Jew, but these are references to whether or not this person is an Eved Kenani. And since the halacha is clear that when a non-Jew sells his slave 
to the Jew. That slave is going to become an Evid Kenani through conversion, as Rabbi Chaim has been saying throughout the first approach, that uh, according to the Gemara, the conversion of such a slave transforms him into an Evid Kenani. So that's the, effectively the same as saying that the Jew has a Kenyan Haguf. So that's where the Rambam got his Shita, that in such a case, the Jewish owner is going to have a Kenyan Haguf in this Eved Kenani. Because the Kenyan Haguf just means that he has the right to convert him to become an Eved Kenani, and this Jewish owner does have that. So this approach again brings us to the same place that the Rambam holds, that since there's a Kenyan Haguf, the only way that the person could become free is based on the rule of Rava, that a change in status removes the sheep. So Rab Chaim's approach to this topic is that there is a conversion in this case. There's no reason to say that the conversion would be nothing, but we have to determine what the conversion affects. So if there's a reason why it cannot become a full conversion to make this slave freed, then it instead becomes a conversion which makes him into a slave. So through the conversion, he becomes a full Ebed Kenani. And if there are cases where we can apply Rava, so then the change in status, the conversion is going to remove the shibud, any debts that he had to the Jewish owner, so that will preclude the conversion to become an Eved Kenani, and instead through this conversion he'll go free. So that's how to make sense of these halachas. So this is all a nice approach and uh, nice ideas, but uh, of course, and Rabbi Chaim is about to point this out, this doesn't seem to fit into the Gemara at all, because First of all, the Gemara explicitly said that when a Nahri sells a Nahri, the reason why that non-Jewish slave goes free through the conversion and we apply the halacha of Rav in such a case is because he does not have a Kenyan Haguf. The original Nahri owner is only able to sell whatever he owns. The Gemara said, my dekanile. Bread aisle, are you ready to rock? Dave's Killer Bread is the country's number one organic bread for a reason. Always delivering killer taste, killer texture, and killer nutrition. This isn't bread. This is bread amplified. Cloud is powering tomorrow's transformative missions. Federal agencies are partnering with SAIC to help them meet these critical moments. Where bold moves require confident blueprints. Where you can accelerate transformation through consistency where you can innovate forward and never look back. SAIC quickly and securely migrates large-scale workloads to the cloud with the confidence you need to assure your mission. Learn more at saic.com slash cloud. He only sells the Masayadayim, which is the maximum he owns. And the Jewish owner does not have a Kenyan Agul. So the Gemara based the whole halacha on the fact that a Jewish owner does not have a Kenyan Agul, which goes uh, diametrically against what Rab Chaim sang in the Rambam. And the second of all, this becomes clear from the whole distinction that Rav Avia makes between when a non-Jew sells himself and Rav Avia says in that case he can't convert and go free. And the reason is because Nachri Gufei Koni, the Jew in such a case, does have a Kenyan Aguf. So we see that in that case, because the Jew has a Kenyan Aguf, we don't apply Rava, and the conversion does not set the slave free, which implies that in the case where he does go free, when he was sold by a Nahri, it's all predicated on the fact that the Jew, the new Jewish owner, does not have a Kenyan Haguf. So uh, this goes totally against what Rab Chaim is saying in the Rambam so far, 
and the simple literal reading of the Rambam that when a Nachri sells a Nachri to a Yisrael, he does have a Kenyan Aguf in that slave. So Rab Chaim says that to explain how this fits according to his approach in the Rambam, and this will make sense of the whole topic that he's discussing, all the different ways that this plays out. So we have to delve even more deeply into the whole concept that Yisrael has a Kenyan Haguf in the Eved Kenani. And he says that there's really two ways to say this. One is that that Kenyan Haguf means that the Jew has the ability to convert this non-Jewish slave into an Eved Kenani. So the fact that he's able to create him and transform him into an Eved Kenani makes it a Kenyan Haguf. Or the other option is a little simpler, the Gambi Kenyan Kaspelachud that just the fact that he owns this non-Jew, even if it's just Mominus, he has a financial right to him, but that's already makes him his slave, and and a Jew, the halacha is that when a Jew owns a non-Jew, even for the Mominus, he has financial rights, that's considered a Kenyan Haguf. So there's two ways to formulate this. Either the Kenyan Haguf is the fact that he can make him into an Evid Kenani, or the Kenyan Haguf is the form of ownership that a Jew has in the non-Jewish slave that it's considered a Kenyan Haguf. Now, the distinction here, says Rab Chaim, is whether or not we can apply Rava's halacha that a change in status removes any debts, any shibud that the Jew would have had on this non-Jewish slave. If we go with the first option, that the Kenyan Aguf is that the Jew is able to make this person into an Eved Kenani. So if they go ahead and convert before becoming an Eved Kenani, then that change in status is going to turn them into a freed Jew because of Rava's halacha. Since the Jew hasn't made them an Eved Kenani yet, and the Kenyan Aguf is only that he could make him an Eved Kenani, so if the non-Jewish slave gets in there before becoming an Eved Kenani and does a conversion with the intention of becoming a freed Jew, then it would take effect and the Jew no longer has any rights to him, the Shibud is gone. But if we take the second option, that the Jew already has a Kenyan Haguf just by the very fact that he owns this non-Jewish slave, then we can't apply Rava in this case because the Jew already has a Kenyan Haguf and that would preclude becoming a convert, L'Shem Ben Chorin, becoming a freed Jewish convert. There is no full change in status and any conversion that he does is going to transform him into an Ebed Kenani like it happens when he can't become a freed Jew. So according to this, says Rab Chaim, this now makes perfect sense of the Gemara's distinction between when a Nachri sells a Nachri versus when a Nachri sells himself. When a Nachri sells a Nachri, the Gemara says that the Jew does not get a Kenyan Haguf in the mominus of the non-Jewish slave because the Nachri sells whatever he owns, which is Masaya Dayim, but it's not a Kenyan Haguf. So the new Jewish owner only has the Masaya Dayim in terms of the mominus. Now he does have the right to turn this slave into an Evid Kenani. So in that sense, it is a Kenyan Haguf, as Rab Chaim's been saying throughout. That's why the Rambam does call it a Kenyan Haguf in the sense of the first way of Kenyan Haguf, that the Jewish owner has the right 
to turn this slave into an Eved Kenani. But if the slave converts before that happens, so then, as we just said, we would apply Rava's Halacha. The change in status removes the Shibut and he goes totally free. So that conversion is going to transform him into a free Jew, not an Eved Kenani. But the distinction the Gemara is saying is that when the Nachri sells himself, so at that point the Jew has more ownership in him, even though it's just a Kenyan Mominus, he's not an Eved yet, but the Jew has financial ownership in a way which is a Kenyan Haguf. That's why the Jew has a better ownership when he buys the slave directly from himself than when he buys him from another Nachri, because when he buys him from himself, he can get the type of mominess, the type of financial ownership, which includes a Kenyan Haguf in it. And therefore, we're not able to apply Rav anymore, like we just said before. So when he goes ahead and converts, he does not transform into a free Jew, but instead he transforms into an Eved Kenani. So that's how to make sense of all of these different passages. When the Gemara distinguishes between a Nachri who sells a Nachri versus a Nachri who sells himself, it's distinguishing between these two subtle meanings of a Kenyan Haguf. And when a Jew buys a Nachri from another Nachri, he gets really a Kenyan Masayadayim initially with the rights to transform this slave into an Eved Kenani, which is a form of a Kenyan Haguf. But if in the meantime the slave converts, he will go free based on Rava's halacha, that a change in status removes the shibud and now he's free. On the other hand, when the Nachri sells himself, so then the Jew's ownership is a bit stronger in the sense that he immediately owns a Kenyan Haguf even during the period before the conversion, even though he only has a Mominus ownership, but it's a Kenyan Haguf type of ownership which re- precludes Rava's halacha of a change in status, removes the shibud, and if the non-Jewish slave converts, then he becomes an avid kinani through this conversion. But in all cases, it's still considered that the Jew has a kinyan haguf. So that's why the Rambam in Perak Tesavel Savadim does say that when a nachri sells a nachri to a Jew, there is a kinyan haguf, because in one form, there is a kinyan haguf in such a case. Now, Rav Chaim takes this approach, this subtle distinction that he's developing, and he comes back into the Gemara and he shows how this makes sense of the continuation of the sugya in Yevamos. The Gemara quotes that Rav Achoy asked the question, that how can we say that if a non-Jew sells himself to the Jew, immediately the Jew has a Kenyan Haguf and the non-Jew can't convert because Rav Achoy asks, maybe it's only with Tevila after he becomes an Eved Kenani, then the Jew gets a Kenyan Haguf. But before that, he does not have a Kenyan Haguf. So, Rab Chaim explains that what Rav Achoy is really asking is not that he has no Kenyan Haguf at all. And Rab Chaim will show why that would be very hard to read into the Gemara. But Rav Achoy is referencing Rab Chaim's distinction. That what he's saying is that he doesn't have the Kenyan Haguf of the Mominous type, which would preclude a conversion, L'Shem Ben Chorin, and applying Rava's Halacha, that it's Mafkia the Shibud, that whole aspect that Rav Avia said, Rav Achoy is questioning. But he certainly agrees that there is the other form of Kenyan Haguf, that 
this Jewish owner can transform this slave into an Evid Kenani, into a Jewish slave, and that type of Kenyan Haguf he does have. So even though Rav Achoy seems to be asking that before the conversion, there's no Kenyan Haguf whatsoever, Rav Chaim says that he also agrees that there is this other form, the first type of Kenyan Haguf, because he can make him into an Evid Kenani, he's just questioning whether there's the second type of Kenyan Haguf that the Mumminus, even before the conversion, immediately creates a Kenyan Haguf, which prevents conversion, L'Shem Ben Chorin. And Rav Chaim has two proofs for this. First of all, the Gemara over there has a case of a non-Jewish woman who owned slaves, and then she converted, and then they converted. So the Gemara says that if their conversion happens after she already converted, so now she's a Jewish owner, so then they become Eved Kenanim through this conversion. Now, the Gemara says that that's the same as when a Jew buys a slave from a non-Jew. And if so, says Rab Chaim, if we're going to say that the Jewish owner only has a Masei Adayim, they don't have a Kenyan Haguf, then why does the conversion in that case make them Eved Kenanim? It should make them freed Jews. Because that's the rule Rab Chaim's been saying. If there's only a Kenyan of Masei Adayim, then the conversion makes them free. And if there's a Kenyan Aguf, then it makes them into an Eved Kenani. And in the case where the owner converted and then the slaves converted, so that's the same as a Jew buying from a non-Jewish owner. And the Gemara says that conversion of the slaves in that case would make them Eved Kenanim. So that shows us that there must be some form of a Kenyan Haguf, and even Rav Achoy is going to agree to that. Says Rav Chaim, that's what he's been saying, even though the owner doesn't have the Kenyan Mominos type of Kenyan Haguf, but she does have the right to transform these slaves into Eved Kenani, and that is a form of a Kenyan Haguf, such that when they go to the mikvah and convert, they become an Eved Kenani through that conversion. And a second proof is that the Gemara there quotes that Rav Ashi uh, bought a slave, and when he was converting them, so he said to the people, Ramule Arusia Bitsavore Arpule Bitsamtsmule, put a shackle on his neck, and then when he goes into the mikvah, loosen it up a little bit so that there won't be a chatzitza, but uh, then put it right back on. And the Gemara explains, He didn't want the slave to be able to say, I'm converting in order to become a freed Jew. So Rav Ashi was trying to get around this halacha that if the slave converts, he goes free, and therefore he wanted the shackle on him during the mikvah. So Rav Chaim analyzes, what's this case talking about? According to Rav Avia, it must not be where Rav Chaim bought the slave from himself because then the slave can't free himself through conversion anyways. So it must be he bought him from someone else. And according to the simple reading of the Gemara, then he only has Masiyadaim. He doesn't have a Kenyan Aguf. And according to Rav Achai, even if he bought the slave from himself, so the slave could go free through conversion, uh, but still Rav Ashi only has a Masei Yadayim Kenyan in that case. He doesn't have a Kenyan Aguf. So either way, the case of Rav Ashi is when the simple reading would be that he only has Kenyan Masei Yadayim. And if so, how could he forcibly convert the slave to become an Eved Kenani? So says Rav Chaim, this is another proof that it must be that there is a, another category of Kenyan Haguf, even though the Mominus, Rav Ashi, only had Masayadaim, he didn't have an immediate Kenyan Haguf. And according to Rav Achoy, that's true even if the slave sold himself 
the Jewish master only has Kenyan Masayadaim until he converts him. But there's a second category over here, which is that since the Jewish owner has the right to turn this slave into an Ebed Kenani, that also gives him a Kenyan Haguf, and that's how Rav Ashi was able to forcibly convert the slave even if he was intending to go free. So the only debate between Rav Achoy and Rav Avia is only over the issue of if a non-Jewish slave sells himself, is there this idea that the Jewish owner immediately has a Kenyan Aguf, even in the Mumminus, or do we not say that? But everyone agrees that there is a Kenyan Aguf in the sense that he could turn him into an Eved Kenani. So uh, this analysis of how Rav Achoy fits in with the rest of the Gemara again leads us to the same clear conclusion that even though the Jewish owner has a Kenyan Aguf, there are still cases where the non-Jewish slave can convert and get rid of the Shibud based on Rava's halacha. And that's exactly what the Rambam says, that even though in this case the Jewish owner has a Kenyan Aguf because he can make him into an Eved Kenani, still, if the non-Jewish slave converts L'Shem Ben Chorin, then he would go free. And Rab Chaim adds one last point to his analysis of the Rambam, that the Rambam doesn't say, when he says that the Nachri who sells a Nachri to a Jew, the Jew has a Kenyan Aguf, he does not point out that he doesn't have the Kenyan Haguf in the Mominist part, he only has this other aspect, because Rab Chaim says really the Rambam rejects the whole idea of a Kenyan Aguf in the Mominos aspect, because the Rambam paskin like Rav Achoy, that the only Kenyan Aguf is the right to turn him into an Eved Kenani, but other than that, he rejects the whole idea of a Kenyan Aguf in Mominus. And that's why the Rambam makes no distinction when he paskins here in Hilchos Yisuri Bia that if the slave converts, he goes free. He says nothing about it being only when a Jew bought the slave from a Nachri. Uh, but if the Nachri sold himself, then he wouldn't go free because again, the Rambam holds like Rav Achoy who doesn't have that distinction. So the Rambam believes in all cases that if the non-Jewish slave converts L'Shem Ben Choren before becoming an Evid Kanani, he would go free based on the application of Rava. But even so, the Rambam holds that in all cases there is a Kenyan Haguf because of the ability to turn this slave into an Evid Kanani. So that makes sense of why the Rambam keeps things very clear and doesn't start differentiating between the Kenyan Haguf of becoming an Evid Kanani versus the Kenyan Haguf of the Dine Mominus, and he doesn't differentiate between whether the non-Jew sells himself or is sold by his non-Jewish owner. The Rambam has a very clear distinction, like Rav Achoy, that in all cases, if the non-Jew converts before becoming an Eved Kenani, he goes free, and there is no such thing as the Kenyan Aguf that comes just from the Dine Mominus. So that's Rav Chaim's approach to the Rambam, and it makes sense very nicely of uh, how the Rambam paskins this whole issue. Now, in the last paragraph, Rab Chaim turns back to the Kesef Mishnah that we mentioned, and the Kesef Mishnah, of course, has a different approach. He believes that the, the Rambam does not disagree with the simple reading of the Gemara, and the Rambam holds that when a Nachri sells a Nachri to Yisrael, he only has a Kenyan Masi Adayim, not any Kenyan Haguf whatsoever. 
the Rambam who says that there is a Kenyan Aguf is talking about after the Tvila, so after the non-Jewish slave has become an Evid Kanani, then of course the Israel has a Kenyan Haguf. And uh, that's why the Rambam Paskins in Israel that if the non-Jewish slave converts Lashem Ben Chorin before becoming an Evid Kanani, he goes free because there is no Kenyan Haguf. So unlike Rab Chaim, the Kesef Mishnah does believe that the issue of whether the non-Jewish slave goes free through the conversion does depend on whether the Jewish owner has a Kenyan Haguf. But Rab Chaim questions this whole approach, and he has a very interesting question. He says, what would happen in an odd case where a non-Jew comes and he does a conversion in order to become the Evid Kanani of someone who hasn't bought him yet? So uh, this Jew has no ownership whatsoever, and the non-Jew goes ahead and converts in order to become his Evid Kanani. So do we say that there has to be a Kenyan Mominos, there has to be some sort of ownership, even if it's not a full Eved ownership, but he has some financial rights in this non-Jew. And therefore, when the non-Jew converts, he turns into a Jewish slave. But if there was no ownership, there's no financial rights that the Jew has in the non-Jew, then he can't just become a Jewish slave in Ebed Kanani out of the blue. So if so, this conversion is going to be meaningless, nothing's going to have changed. Or do we say that this conversion itself is what turns him into an Ebed Kanani and now the Jew owns him? So even though there was no context for it, the Jew had no financial ownership in this non-Jew, but the very fact that he converted in order to be transformed into an Evid Kanani did the job, it had the effect, and he's now an Evid Kanani in this situation. That itself is the way that the Jew acquires him. So this is an interesting thought experiment. But Rab Chaim says that either option is going to be a problem for the Kesef Mishnah. Because if we take the second approach that a non-Jew can become an Evid Kanani even if the Jew had no prior ownership, then why does the Rambam in the Halacha in Hilchsavon and Perak Tess say that when a Nachri sells a Nachri to a Yisrael, even though the first owner only had Masa Yadayim, the Jew gets a Kenyan Haguf, and according to the Kesef Mishnah, that's a reference to after the conversion. Says Rab Chaim, it's irrelevant whether or not the non-Jew has a Masayadayim and what he sold to the Jew. All of that's meaningless because once there is a conversion and the non-Jewish slave becomes an Evid Kenani, whether or not the Jew owned any mumminess in him, he now becomes an Evid Kenani. So the whole continuation of the sentence in the Rambam doesn't seem to follow because it's not because the Jew bought the non-Jew from the first owner, that the conversion turns him into an Evid Kanani, even without any of that prior business dealings, he still would have become an Evid Kanani. So that would not fit exactly in the Kesef Mishnah's reading. And if we say the other option, that there does have to be some prior ownership in order for the conversion to turn him into an Evid Kenani. And Rab Chaim says that this actually sounds more likely because the phrase that Rav Achoy uses that we just discussed is Bekaspa Ubetevila, that you need both money and the conversion in order for there to be a Kenyan Aguf. So that seems to indicate that the conversion alone out of the blue would not be sufficient. There has to be some sort of financial business deal beforehand that the Jew has some sort of ownership and then the conversion turns him into an Evid Kenani. 
So this also does not fit into the Kesef Mishnah's reading of the Rambam. Because we actually have the problem... How is this conversion able to make him into an Ebed Kenani when there is only a Kenyan Masayadayim? According to the Kesef Mishnah, there's no Kenyan Haguf. He does not have Rab Chaim's idea that the fact that this slave can become an Ebed Kenani is a Kenyan Haguf. So all there is in this case is a Kenyan of Masayadayim, and that's not enough to create a context for the conversion to make the non-Jewish slave into an Eved Kenani. So if we say that there does have to be a Kenyan beforehand, then why at the end of the day, according to the Kesef Mishnah, in this case where the Nachri sold the Nachri to Yisrael and there's only Masayadayim, because that's the most he can sell, why should the conversion work at all such so that after the conversion, suddenly this person is a full Eved Kenani and the Jew has a Kenyan Haguf? And Rab Chaim says that if you'll say that even though it's only a Kenyan Masi Adayim, but it creates enough of a context that once there's a conversion, then it transforms into a Kenyan Haguf, so then why don't we just say that initially there's a Kenyan Haguf? In other words, why this big distinction that the Jew only has Kenyan of Masi Adayim if he buys a Nachri from a Nachri, but once the conversion happens, it changes. Since it's heading in that direction, he should have a Kenyan Haguf right away. So Rab Chaim says, coming back to Rav Achoy, that we could explain this Kesef Mishnah if the Rambam holds like Rav Achoy, that in all cases there is no Kenyan Aguf until after the conversion, then that would explain what's going on over here. And the Rambam is telling us that when a Nachri sells a Nachri to Yisrael, initially there's only a Kenyan of Masay Yadayim, but after the conversion, like Rav Achoy says, then it becomes a Kenyan Haguf. So that wouldn't make sense of the Kesef Mishnah's approach. But Rab Chaim ends that, as we mentioned before, the Kesef Mishnah's first reading of the Rambam is that the Rambam was passing like Rav Avya, that there is a distinction between if a Nachri sells a Nachri versus if a Nachri sells himself. That's how the Kesef Mishnah read that line in the Rambam, that when the Nachri sells himself, then it's a Kenyan Haguf. So if so, the Kesef Mishnah seems to hold that the Rambam paskined like Rav Avya and not Rav Achoy. So at the end of the piece, Rav Chaim raises some issues with the Kesef Mishnah's approach. So this is Rav Chaim's piece. The key issue that Rav Chaim is discussing is when a Nachri sells a Nachri to a Yisrael, does the Yisrael have a Kenyan just of Masiyah Dayim to the earnings, or he also has a Kenyan Aguf? And this emerges, it's a machlokus between the Kesef Mishnah, who says it's just Masiyah Dayim, and Rab Chaim argues that it's a Kenyan Haguf. Uh, but Rab Chaim explores at length how this affects the halacha, that a conversion, Lashem ben Chorin, would free a slave in that situation before he becomes an Ebed Kenani. And according to the Kesef Mishnah, it depends on whether there's a Kenyan Haguf, but Rab Chaim has a more subtle distinction within Kenyan Haguf, that there are two types of Kenyan Haguf. One is that the Jew has the right or the ability to turn this non-Jewish slave into an Ebed Kenani, so that gives him a type of a Kenyan Haguf. And the second meaning of a Kenyan Aguf is that even before the conversion, he has the ownership, a mominous financial right in the slave, which is a form of a Kenyan Aguf. He also has rights in the slave's goof. And the first type of Kenyan Aguf would not stop the conversion from freeing the slave, but the second type of Kenyan Aguf would stop the conversion from freeing the slave, and instead that conversion will turn him into an Eved Kenani. It's a type of conversion for an Eved, and at the end of the day, Rab Chaim believes this is the machlokas between Rab Avia and Rab Achai.
In addition, Rab Chaim develops the idea of what a Kenyan Haguf actually means when we say Yisrael has a Kenyan Haguf in an Evid Kenani, and he argues that this is effectively the same thing as being an Evid Kenani. So once the Torah said that there are special halachas in the Evid Kenani, that's what we talk about with the Kenyan Haguf, but otherwise the baseline is that no Evid could actually be fully owned because an Evid is very different from an inanimate object. And also Rab Chaim has uh, an idea with regard to conversion, that uh, in the conversion of an Evid who does it with the intention of becoming free, that we can accept only half of it and take the conversion, but apply it towards the conversion of becoming an Evid Kenani. You coming to bed, hon? Yep, honey, I'll be right there. Just got to turn out the light. Ow! Ow! Some things never change. Like your kids always leaving tiny toys on the floor for you to step on. And Geico saving folks lots of money on their car insurance. Sweetie, I think I left the downstairs light on. Please don't make me go. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more.